My name's Micah Rose, and uh, I get uh, the privilege of being up here tonight. I know that uh, normally when I'm up here, I'm hiding, hiding behind a guitar. Uh, today, I'm hiding behind this. It's a lot bigger. <laughs> so, um, so let's go ahead and pray. Um, as you can see, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 96 tonight. Uh, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to get into that a little bit, and, but before we do that, um, let's pray, and then I'm going to uh, share a few things. So, Lord, I just thank you for uh, the opportunity to come here and to, uh, to be your servant, Lord. Um, I just pray that as we go through your word tonight and as I speak, Lord, that, that all the words that would come out of my mouth would be yours, Lord, from you. I don't want anything of myself up here, but Lord, I want you to be glorified. It is you that is to be praised. And Father, I just pray that your uh, word would touch us in every way that it needs to tonight, and uh, just that, that you would be seen, Lord. So we thank you, and be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, as I said, my name is Micah Rose. I've been attending here with my family, uh, my wife, uh, Kirsten, and our seven kids. Um, so yes, we're one of the smaller families here at Calvary. Um, and we've, we've been here for about two years, and uh, I've, been, I've been a Christian, though, for, um, for much longer, and I want to take a little time to kind of share my testimony with you, and kind of what led me to Christ and how I ended up where I am. So um, I'm going to preface that with, I don't normally kind of start conversations with telling people what I do for a living. Um, I oftentimes don't like doing that uh, because of what I do for a living, but uh, there is some relevance with that, uh, and kind of where I came from and just what God has done because of that. So um, I've been a police officer uh, for the last nine years, and uh, prior to that, uh, worked a lot in, in and around juvenile corrections, uh, in gang outreach and gang intervention uh, in the Tacoma area. And, um, and so the reason I, I say that is uh, because some of the things about my story and my past uh, don't quite line up <laughs> with, uh, with being a police officer or working in that role. Um, I will, just one caveat kind of to preface my story is to tell you that, uh, that all of the things I'm going to share with you, uh, they were all disclosed in my background investigation. Uh, they were all things that I was honest about through the process. So there's nothing that, uh, there was nothing that wasn't known uh, when I was hired. So um, <clears throat> God rescued me. And got a hold of me, became the Lord of my life on January 28th of the year 2000, uh, just a little before 8 p.m. Um, seems probably pretty specific, um, and there's a reason for that that I will get to. Uh, but before I get to that, um, I want to step back even further and kind of talk about what led me to where I ended up on that, that Friday night. Um, as with many of us, we have memories from our childhood. Uh, and we, a lot of times we have first memories. Some of those memories are things of vacations or things like that. Um, they're family memories, I mean, riding a horse or whatever it might be, a roller coaster. Um, a lot of times they're pleasant memories. Uh, for me, that was not the case. Um, my very first memory was not a pleasant one. Um, we need to switch something. Okay. Is that better? Okay. Um... Let's see, where was I? Unpleasant memories. Uh, we can add this to the list. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so 
my first memory was not a pleasant one. My first memory is a memory of abuse. Um, at the age of four, I was taken advantage of, and I'm not going to go into the details about what that is, but um, it's abuse that I kind of continued through my childhood, starting from the age uh, four up until about I was 10 years old. Um, and what that abuse did to me was it really uh, destroyed my ability to trust people. Um, I, it destroyed my ability to understand what love was, what affection was, and a variety of things. And I think you can probably gather from, from that what kind of abuse I'm talking about, and we'll leave it at that. Um, so what happened with that then is I, I grew up feeling different. Uh, feeling like an outcast, feeling like I did not fit in, like I did not belong. I knew that something was wrong with me, um, or I felt that something was wrong with me. And so that really affected everything that I did. Um, I did grow up going to church. Uh, I had Christian parents um, in a Christian family, uh, but church was just, it was just a thing that my family did. It didn't mean anything to me. Um, so I didn't, nobody knew about my, my secret, my, this, this darkness, this thing that I carried with me. Um, and, and I, I kept it to myself. It was just something that ate away at me, uh, as I grew. And then as I got into high school, as I got, uh, older, I really just, I was striving to fit in. Like I, I just, I needed to feel like I belonged. I needed to feel like I was someone else. And so uh, I, I was really became kind of a striver, uh, someone who would just really try to perform and do everything as best as I could to try to find an identity somewhere. Uh, I, would, um, I was involved in music, I was in sports, and, and just everything from clubs and grades, whatever it was, like I was trying to perform uh, to try to fix and cover, cover up um, what was going on inside me. Um, as I got older, into especially high school and into college years, uh, became pretty depressed. Uh, I, I really hated who I was. Um, and, and so as I grew, that, that, that desire to strive and perform and kind of figure out and fit in uh, turned into more of a desire to escape. Um, I didn't want to be who I was. And I hated who I was. And even though on the outside I presented as, uh, as a pretty fun, outgoing, whatever kind of guy, that was not what was going on inside me. So um, in, in college, uh, <clears throat> you know, I started finding ways to escape and to numb. And that started out with just your, your, your every... Uh, kind of your typical college thing where, uh, where the weekend parties, um, I would started drinking. I found an escape in alcohol. Um, so what began as just your uh, every other weekend party thing turned into every weekend. Then every weekend turned into adding some weeknights. And then adding weeknights turned into every weeknight. And then every weeknight turned into every weekday. And I was pretty much under the influence all the time. Um, I never got into like really hard, 
hard drugs or anything like that, but did start adding things in recreationally on occasion. And it was really all just for that purpose of wanting to escape. Also during that time, uh, and just still as much as I tried to drown those things out and try to escape from the memories and from the, the, the different pain and struggles that I was going through, uh, I, I also began to, to, to think about, well, what if I just wasn't here anymore? What if I could just end this and, and be done with it? Um, and so I had some suicidal ideations, um, some thoughts of just wanting to die, wanting to be done. Um, during this time, I was going to a Christian, I'm going to use some air quotes here, a Christian college, um, and that really didn't help matters for me because even though I had some people that, uh, that would kind of reach out to me and because I was kind of one of those, you know, I was a, I was a good... Um, a good target, a good, a good project, I guess you could say. Um, I saw these same people at the parties that I went to. I, I saw this hypocrisy of these people who wanted to say they had it all together and go to chapel on Sundays, uh, but were out drunk and partying at the party I was at or hosting on, on, on Saturday night. And so I was like, well, what do these people have to offer? There's just this religion. And um, taking Bible classes. Um, I was a music education major at school and was minoring in religion. And the religion classes that I took uh, really were just classes that um, helped me learn how to question the Bible more. Uh, they really didn't do, do anything because it was this real kind of liberal uh, college. So, um, so that, that, was, that did nothing for me. That was no good. It wasn't helping me at all. Uh, it was then later on, um, during my junior year, I was in band that I uh, that um, there was a, a new member in in the band uh, that was a freshman that came in uh, that I was a saxophone player and this this girl was a flute player and so being a flute play, player she had to sit in front of me and it became known pretty clearly pretty quickly that she was a Christian and um, so she became a pretty easy easy target for my anger and my wrath and just the, the, just the disdain that I had for myself, really, but that I was kind of projecting out. And so I would sit behind her, and I, a lot of times I was intoxicated in class and, and just was just throwing things out, swearing, just doing whatever I could because I just was like, mm, here's, a, here's another target. Um, well, as I did that, I started noticing that there really was something different about this Christian. Um, and, and everything that I did, the targeting, all those things just didn't really seem to phase her. And in my brokenness, um, I became attracted to her. Um, but there was something, and I kind of knew it in the back of my head, that there was something that was, something more to that, something about what was in her and something about her that I was that I was that I was attracted to, um, and looking back no, now, I, I mean, I know that that was the kindness of God and just what was in her that was that was leading me to that. Um, so, long story short, uh, fast forward uh, a number of months, um, kind of just building a little bit of a friendship and just hanging out more. Uh, came to a point where she invited me to a college uh, Bible group thing. And, of course, in my mind, I'm like, 
you you want me <laughs> to go to your are you are you sure about that you you realize like who you're inviting like that's not going to go over well um and so i went and it really i think uh, thinking back i think it was really kind of one of the first times that i that i heard a a real gospel message and started thinking about hmm, you know just seeds being planted in that um fast forward a little bit a little bit more uh she and i start dating um I said a prayer, and um, and things really kind of began to, to change in me, and, and, and I wouldn't say really in a good way after that, because really looking back, you know, when I said that prayer, I, I know now that I, I didn't, I, I wasn't saved at that point, but rather I had, I was wanting to, uh, to add God into my, into my life, add God into my life, and so I really wasn't giving myself to him. I really wasn't. It was just something that I was doing, and I, th- I think probably more to try to please her and, and do what she wanted. And I saw some hope. I saw some, some things that I, that I knew that I wanted, but it, it really wasn't real. It was just a prayer that I prayed. And so um, that really began uh, a rough uh, time of, of me basically living a double life. Uh, I never really repented of any of my sins or, or really did anything to to seek healing or to to really give myself to God. I just kind of tried to add church and some stuff into what I was doing and try to try to do that. So I was still uh, having issues with um, with depression and, and and suicidal thoughts. I was still drinking. I was still doing all these things and um, and and even there were uh, a couple times where um, af- as I got more involved uh, in in the church, where uh, there were a couple times because I was a, a musician and had some musical talent that I even would stand up on a stage singing worship songs with my hands in the air under the influence. Um, and I'm absolutely not in any way, shape, or form uh, proud of that. I mean, it disgusts me, and I know that it disgusted God. Um, and so I was living this double life, and I knew that at some point it, was, it, was, it had to, to come to an end, and that's kind of what led to this, to this day in January um, in 2000. Um, things were just getting rocky uh, between she and I, and, and she ended up ending our relationship. And, and it was on, on that morning, and I just became angry. I became mad. But it wasn't at her. Um, I was angry at God. And in my mind, and I remember sitting and saying this prayer, or not prayer, but having this kind of conversation with God and just basically saying, like, I, I gave you my life. I mean, I really hadn't, obviously. But saying to him, like, I gave you my life. I trusted you. And now trust, that was a... That was, a, that was a big thing for me to, to, to trust somebody. And I hadn't really trusted him, but I was saying that. Like, I trusted you, and this is, this is what you do? Like, I had hope I was going to marry this girl. Like, there was all this, like, I, there was this life that I was looking forward to, and now it's all gone. Like, I'm done with you, God. You had your chance, and you blew it. And that's what I was saying to God. And so I was angry. I was mad. I was done. Uh, I left. I went to a friend's house and decided I'm just, I'm going to, I need to, I'm going to numb. I'm going to go numb again. And so um, I started drinking early in the day. Uh, and like I said, you know, before, um, I was never into, 
you know hard things or anything like that. And I also never really liked to mix uh, mix things together. Um, but this day, I was kind of at a place where I just didn't care. And so um, I I started drinking, um, and I started just doing some other things as well, and kind of adding some things together. Um, and so that had started kind of late morning, uh, early afternoon. And as the day went on, um, we get to this time a little bit before 8 p.m. Um, we're sitting in the living room, this house, a bunch of friends around, and we're sitting there watching this movie. And uh, in this movie, there was a depiction, uh, part of this movie, of, of a, a Satan character. And I'm sitting there on the couch, and I'm watching this, just kind of, kind of just gone, numb, just kind of, just kind of zoned out. And in this movie, there's a, there was a line where this Satan character kind of yells at, at this other character and says, I'm your God now, and starts maniacally laughing. And that statement, uh, even just thinking about it now, um, just hit me. And... Um, it's sorry. It's been, it's been a while since I've I've shared this. Um, it just hit me, and this fear, like I've never I had never felt before, this fear, this terror, just kind of gripped me. Um, just kind of came over me, and I I remember starting to think, like, what in the world have I done? Like, what am I doing? What is wrong with me? Like, I need to get out of here. Um, I got up and went to the bathroom in the house. And I remember thinking, okay, it's got to just be all the stuff in me. It's got to be all, I'm trying to, I'm making excuses. I'm trying to say, no, this can't be real. And even though I, I knew that I had, there some, something spiritual was going on and, and I, I wanted to push it away. So I, I walked into this bathroom at this house. And as I walked in, I, I stood there and I, I turned and I looked at the mirror that was, that was there. Um, and I, I just remember seeing just how blank I was, how empty I was, and seeing just this, the evil um, that was around me. And so at that point, I was like, I need to get out of here. So I walked out of the bathroom. I walked through the living room of the house towards the front door. I opened the front door, and I tried to go outside, and I stopped, and I couldn't leave. Something was stopping me, and I, I just I couldn't leave. And I stood there for a minute. And then I turned around to go back inside. And as I walked back through the entryway towards the, uh, towards the living room, I just remember just, f- just fading out. Um, it was later recalled to me that as I stepped into the living room, um, I stepped around a corner and was staring straight ahead um, at this guy, Todd, that was on the other side of the living room. And I was staring right at him. And the way he recalled it, he said, I just stopped. And he said he watched me just go blank, and then I just fell forward, um, hit the floor. I still have a small chip in the front of one of my teeth to remind me of that, um, and hit the floor. And I laid there, wasn't breathing, no pulse. Um, I was told that was a that was for about thirty seconds. I I couldn't tell you whether that's factual or not. I don't know, and I'm not going to claim it was. Just know that's what was recalled to me. Um, the next thing I remember is everything kind of fading back in, and I'm on my back, and I'm looking up. And as I'm laying there, and I realize kind of what's going on, that same fear just kind of 
came back, that same terror. And it just lasted for a second uh, before that feeling this peace that washed over me. And I remember just thinking, oh God, like help. And this peace washed over me. And I, I remember just hearing, feeling, whatever you want to call it, um, God say to me, Micah, I know what you've been doing. It's not my concern. My concern is I want you to come home to me. And in that moment, I remember just saying, God, I need you. There wasn't some prayer. There wasn't, it was just, God, I need you. And so I got up and I felt the, everything that the, that the alcohol, the drugs, all that stuff, I felt it just leave me. And I felt a sobriety. And I got up and knew that I needed to, <clears throat> um, that I needed to get out of there. And the only person that I thought to call um, was a roommate at the time, Chris, who was a guy that I had used to party with that had gotten saved and left that whole scene. Um, but he was engaged at the time. And it, this was a Friday night, um, you know, around 8 p.m. And, and so he was engaged at the time, and I had, was living in a house with a, with a whole bunch of different guys. And so I, I just was like, I, I can't call them. I can't call. They're going to they're gonna be busy. And, but I knew that I just had to. And so I picked up the phone, and I called the house, and Chris answered, which was a surprise right off the bat. Um, and I just kind of played dumb, like, hey, what are you up to? He's like, nothing. I'm just sitting here. I have no idea where anybody is. I'm just sitting here. Um, his fiance was out with some friends, so he was by himself at this house on a Friday night doing absolutely nothing. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so I asked him, I said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. I, I, I need, can you come get me? He said, where are you? And there were no questions asked. He came. So as soon as he got there, I went outside. I hopped in the car and um, just told him just a really brief um, kind of, hey, I, I was just in a really bad place today and um, I pretty much OD'd and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm done with this life. And, and he's, and his, the first words out of his mouth, he said, welcome home. And that just had kind of struck me because, um, you know, what, what I had really sensed in, from the Lord when in that moment was that, like, I want you to come home. Um, and so um, the bottom line is that, you know, I had this realization, this revelation that night that, like, I had not submitted my life to God prior to this. I had tried to add him into what I was doing, and I wasn't in any way, shape, or form submitting myself to him. And I had this, <clears throat> um, that realization then, um, and, and it was in that moment then and in that time that, that, I, that God rescued me. Um, I gave my life to him. I submitted myself to him. I left those friendships. I left all that behind. Um, <clears throat> have been sober ever since then, and um, and that was the start of of my of my new life. And so, <clears throat> um, when I think about you know the Lord is great and greatly to be praised, I know that for me, um, that's a, a big part of that. He rescued me from something that I didn't even know I wanted to be rescued from. And so, <clears throat> um, we're going to get into um, the teaching part of this and, and look at this psalm a little bit <clears throat> um, and discuss a little bit 
why the Lord is great. I mean, we know that he is great and greatly to be praised, but just what some of the scripture says about this. So um, if you're able, if you would stand, um, we're going to read Psalm 96. And we're not going to go through uh, as far as teaching necessarily of the whole thing, uh, because, you know, I'm sure you guys want to get out of here at some point tonight. Uh, uh, but we're going to go ahead and read the whole thing and then, and then touch on some things. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the peoples righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. Then all of the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. For he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. Go ahead and be seated. So... um, a little bit of history just uh, about the psalm. We're not going to go into a ton of that. But where the psalm, come, psalm comes from <clears throat> is actually taken from a psalm that comes out of, or a song that comes out of uh, 1 Chronicles 16. So this, in 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 16, is a story of where David has brought the ark back to Jerusalem and placed the ark in the tabernacle. Um, just prior to this, when the ark has come in, this is the story that's fairly familiar to a lot of people where uh, David was dancing before the Lord in joyous, uh, just joyous celebration, and Saul's daughter, Michael, uh, was critical of him for that dancing, and she ended up becoming barren because of her criticism of that. Um, And that happens just in the the end of chapter uh, 15, and then moves into this, uh, this bringing of the ark into the tabernacle. And so as part of that, David wrote this psalm that he presented to uh, the chief Levite, uh, which was Asaph, <clears throat> and that psalm, um, that song of thanksgiving uh, was presented and it was sung in, in there. So this psalm, Psalm 96, is one of um, three sections that uh, get later re-recorded again, um, and so this one comes from uh, the, the center of that, and there's, um, in verses 8 through 22 of First Chronicles 16, it uh, gets re-recorded later in Psalm 105, verses 1 through 15. And then the verses 22 through, th- or excuse me, 23 through 33 of First Chronicles 16 gets put into here, which is Psalm 96. And then the last two verses, verse 34 and 36 of First Chronicles 16, of this, this song that he presented to Asaph, uh, gets re-recorded in Psalm 106, uh, verses 1 and verse 47 and 48. 
So in Psalm 106 and Psalm 105, those, um, those verses from 1 Chronicles 16 are, are written exactly as they, as they were then. They're, they're brought in. There was some that was added to that in 105 and, and some in the middle of, of, uh, of 106. Um, but Psalm 96 is a little bit different because there's two things that are changed in the beginning and the end of that psalm. Um, and looking at Psalm 96, where uh, verse 1, <clears throat> um, we have... Um, it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. In First Chronicles 16, that starts with just the sing to the Lord all the earth. And so it gets added in this, this uh, singing to the Lord a new song and singing to the Lord to bless his name. And then in verse 13 of Psalm 96, in uh, Chronicles, it it ends with um, he is coming to judge the earth. And in Psalm 96, it adds for he is coming a second time. So instead of just saying for he is coming to judge the earth, it says for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. And then he shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. And the context of this and the thing that it kind of changes is it goes from um, whereas prior in, in, in Chronicles, um, there's this celebration of what God has done in bringing, in, in bringing the, the ark and, and restoring uh, this tabernacle in Jerusalem. There's now this kind of pointing ahead to a context of God's coming judgment uh, within that song of thanksgiving. And so that's kind of the uh, why there's that change and this is brought in here. So a couple things that kind of pop out when we look at this, um, and in general, you know, when we're reading scripture and studying, um, you know, part of the, the SONAP thing that, that they've been kind of teaching is this, this observing and seeing your things. And so one of the things that uh, throughout scripture is a, a common thing that should always catch our eyes when we see it, <clears throat> um, is if we see patterns of things being repeated. And so there's three patterns that... Um, that pop out in this psalm um, that we're going to look at real quick. So the first one is this, this, uh, this pattern of sing. So in the first couple verses, we have this sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name. Um, <clears throat> so the context of this being just, you know, when this new song, um, there's added this context of prior to, to the, in, in when it was recorded, excuse me, when it was recorded in First Chronicles, this was about the Jewish people. This was about the chosen people and God's people. Now this new song is pointing towards all the peoples. It's pointing towards Christ coming, shedding His blood, dying for all, and that the Gentiles. So um, all people's salvation. And so in that we then get this command and this this. Um, this sing. We need to sing. So singing this new song, singing all the earth, and to bless his name. And it goes on to then say, to proclaim the good news of his salvation day to day, to declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all peoples. And so that's the first set that we see. The the next one is this this idea of giving. So in verses 7 and 8, we have 
Uh, Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. And one thing to point out about this section, this is also from a previous psalm and gets re-recorded. The first time this uh, this terminology or this this, uh, little stanza or whatever you want to call it is recorded comes from uh, Psalm 29, uh, verse 1. And in that psalm, the difference and the one thing that gets changed is in that psalm it said, give to the Lord, uh, you mighty ones. And, excuse me, um, and in that, that, um, that scripture in Psalm 29 is talking about the heavenly realm. So the mighty ones being a reference to heavenly beings. And, um, and so in that psalm, it's commanding this praise of God in the heavens. And now here in this psalm, bringing it back and saying, oh, families of the peoples, it's now kind of changing that context and bringing a new context to, uh, to recognize that it's, it's, it's the people we also should be praising God and giving him. And when it talks about giving, um, what it specifically is, is talking about, some translations um, use the word ascribe. So it's not giving as in we're saying that we're uh, that we have that we're giving God something, but it's rather we are re- recognizing and we are we are declaring and 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 stay, stating and agreeing with Him that He has these astri- attributes. So when we are giving the Lord glory and strength, we are agreeing and ascribing to Him and stating back to Him like, Lord, You have glory and strength. Um, we are giving Him or ascribing to Him the glory that is due His name. Um, there's a, um, Matthew Henry is a, um, <clears throat> a commentator, a theologian, and one thing that he writes in regards to this concept of, of giving to God, um, he says, in all the acts of religious worship, uh, this is that which we must aim at, to honor God, to pay him some of that reverence which we owe him. And so that's really the idea and kind of the concept here in that is that is that we owe him that honor, that glory that is due his name. And so in these scriptures, in this, is, that's, that's what this is talking about, is giving him the honor that's due his name. And then it goes on to say, bring an offering and come into his courts and worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness and tremble before him all the earth. So then the next set of three is this concept of let. Uh, verse 11 and 12, let the heavens rejoice and the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that is in it. So <clears throat> the idea of let here is, is kind of similar in, in the sense that we're not like saying, okay, we're going we're gonna to let you or we're going to allow <laughs> this to happen. But rather in the same way that God said, let there be light and it was, the declaration here is that let the heavens rejoice. The heavens are going to rejoice. The heavens will rejoice. The earth will be glad. The seas will roar in all its fullness. The field uh, will be joyful um, in all that is in it. And so um, <clears throat> the imagery then that we get here is very similar to much um, in some of the Im- imagery we see, especially in Isaiah, um, where, where there's some of that prophecy of the coming judgment and and what is going to happen when the Lord returns and when he comes and and brings his rightful reign upon the earth. Um, 
Uh, one example comes from Isaiah uh, 44:23. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, you mountains, O forest and every tree in it. For the Lord has, re- has redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Uh, we also see this in Isaiah 49:13. Sing, O heavens, be joyful, O earth. And break out in singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people, and he will have mercy on his afflicted. And so, in this, you know, we have these, these, these threes, these sets of, of, uh, of and especially with this, this let here, this imagery of, of, of the, the coming judgment. And that's um, the, the title of this psalm that is, that is given to it um, is a song of praise to God coming in judgment. And so it's that, it's that praise. So the, the next aspect of this um, to look at then is, is in what this is talking about, singing to the Lord all the earth, giving to him the glory that's due, due his name, the heavens rejoicing, is for the Lord is great and is greatly to be praised. And the key in, in this is really this small word for. Um, and I don't mean key as in the pronunciation of, <laughs> of the key there. Uh, that was unintentional. Um, but so this, this word key, uh, which is translated for uh, or because or some other variations of that, um, it in, it's indicating causal relations. It's antecedent or consequent. And so singing to the Lord because of that causal relationship, because he is great and worthy to be praised, giving to him the glory that is due his name, for he is great and worthy to be praised. Um, the earth will rejoice, the heavens will rejoice, the seas will roar, uh, the fields will be jo- joyful because he is great, for he is great and worthy to be praised. Um, this is why we sing, and he is to be feared. Um, one other aspect of the, um, of, of the, the statement in here about for he is great and worthy to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods, um, in looking at this idea of fear, um, we're not talking about the kind of fear that I experienced of this terror and this, uh, this condemning fear um, but rather, it's this fear that's that's an awe of God. Um, in Exodus uh, twenty, so right after M- Moses is up on the mountain and the the thunder and the lightning and God speaking to him, giving him the Ten Commandments. Um, right after that, um, it's recorded in verse eighteen. Now all the people witnessed the thundering, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. And then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. So they were, they were gripped with fear. They were, they were afraid. Um, and it wasn't a healthy fear. And Moses then comes back and uh, Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. And so he uses this, he says, don't fear, but then also fear. <laughs> so don't fear as, you, as in you're terrified, but fear as in you're in awe and he is worthy of your fear and he needs to be feared, but that's a healthy thing. That's a good thing is what Moses is telling the people here. 
And so um, <clears throat> this is why we sing. This is why we give God the glory that is due his name. Why the heavens, the seas, the fields rejoice. It's for he is great and greatly to be praised and to be feared above all gods. And so I'm going to end on a, um, a quote from Charles Spurgeon uh, in relation to this uh, that I, I, just, I, I just love the way that he, that he kind of describes this and puts this. Um, he is no petty deity, presiding as the heathen imagine their gods to do over some one nation or one department of nature. Jehovah is great in power and dominion, great in mind and act. Nothing mean or narrow can be found in him or his acts. In all things, he is infinite. Praise should be proportionate to its object. Therefore, let it be infinite when rendered unto the Lord. I'm going to read that part again because I just love it. Praise should be proportionate to its object. Therefore, let it be infinite when rendered unto the Lord. We cannot praise him too much, too often, too zealously, too carefully, too joyfully. He deserves that nothing in his worship should be little, but all the honor rendered unto him should be given in largeness of heart with the utmost zeal for his glory. So, Father, I thank you for your greatness. You are great and you are worthy to be praised, uh, to be praised greatly. God, I, I thank you for uh, what you've done in my life and, and uh, what you're, you're continuing to do in my life. And I thank you for this church. And um, Lord, I just pray that as we go out of here tonight, um, we would all be stirred uh, to a greater fear of you, a greater reverence for you, a greater awe of you. And that as we worship, whether it be in song or whether it be just throughout the day and the, the, the things that we do in life as we give you glory, uh, that, that it would be proportionate to who you are. So Lord, go with us, be with us, be with us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace or whatever they normally might say. <laughs>